Welcome into the NRA Sports Podcast. I am Chandler Carney. With me as always, Brady Scott. What up? We got a very special friend in the studio today, our personal accountant, Logan Turner. Logan, how you doing today, man? Doing good, guys. It's good to be here. Well, we're glad you're here. Glad to have you. You're going to get ready for the Egg Bowl soon. Um, Dreaded. We Dreaded apologize. Apologize for not having a podcast earlier in the week. Brady's been out of studio. Uh, he's back. It's good to be back in God's country, man. It's always good. Even with the Pullman Washington shirt on, that's a bold move. Dude, what's up with that? Dad bought it for me. It's a pretty sweet shirt, I thought. And um, this gun, I mean, I'm wearing a shirt for somebody with more than five wins this year, so sort of feels nice. Can you name five players? That's the best, man. That's a big question. Can you name five players on that team? I can name one, Gardner Minshew. And I name my most favorite person from Washington State, Mike Leach. Wish wish we would have went and got him last year, but we didn't. So we're here. Everybody didn't think he was a good coach. Um, he's shoving it up their ass right now. So that's all I got to say about that. Well, Brady, get us started with the college basketball. It's coming in a full swing uh, a little bit here. All right. College basketball kicked off the past couple of weeks. One of the biggest tournaments of the year, the Maui Invitational, the biggest, I, in my opinion, the biggest. Pre-season, yeah. Non-conference. Yeah, non-conference tournament of the year. I mean, it was just great basketball there all week. You had Duke. Gonzaga, Arizona, and an Auburn team that's on the rise with Bruce Pearl. And you saw it on Monday night, I think it was. Or whenever Duke and Auburn played. Last night. Last night. And um, Auburn pushed them a little bit, gave them a little run, but you saw that Duke was ultimately more talented, and they got the win. They faced a more talented team in Gonzaga tonight, or last night, whenever you're listening to this. And had a chance to win it late. Gave it to R.J. Barrett on three straight drives. I mean, it's obvious who Coach K wants, who he wants the ball. Well, he's their best scorer. Yeah, who's ball, who he wants the ball. I don't know. You know what I'm trying to say. I just can't get the words yeah, out. Yeah, who he wants to take that last shot. Yes, there you go. That's what I was trying to find. Couldn't find it. I appreciate you helping me out there. Can't blame him, though. I mean, no. I mean, he's the, probably the most gifted scorer on the team. So you got to have him taking the last shot. I mean, on the last one, I mean, he had the dish open, but feel like he may have gotten. I feel like he got bumped a little feel bit. Feel like there was a lot of contact on that. In the last four minutes, there was a lot of no calls on that end. And they four. hadn't been calling it though, so yeah. they can justify not calling it there. And that's what saves the officials yeah. there. I mean, and just you, you got something with Memphis and Penny Hardaway. What? Yeah, Memphis gets the number one recruit over Kentucky and Calipari. I mean, that's big. It is big. And it's really good for Penny Hardaway starting his his coaching That's career. That's his off. second five star pickup. Yeah, in as many weeks. So with one and done being in effect, he might he might be able to pull this thing out as well. Uh, I mean, he's getting up in he's getting the guys you need for that the style that college basketball is had. Can we talk about Duke's size overall? Yeah, I mean uh, Zion Williams just a freak. As it is, but when you look at him against those guys out there, they're just all—they're small. I mean, he's six seven, six eight, two eighty five. I literally thought that watching this this game today, I was uh, preparing some states for tomorrow, and I'm looking. I'm like, this is perfect for him because yes. with one and done, this gets him so much better for the NBA. Yes. And he, so yeah, he's I huge. Mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, he could walk in a room with offensive linemen and nobody would bat an eye. No. That's just 
He's a physical specimen. And like we talked the other day, talking with Dad last night, in the draft, sort of R.J. Barrett, Zion Williamson, who you're going to take. With all the comps to LeBron with his body size and athleticism, I think as a GM or owner, I'd almost rather take Zion Williamson first with him having the potential to turn into a LeBron-type player. Oh, his ceiling is. And miss on him than take R.J. Barrett and watch Zion Williamson become that once-in-a-generation player. You know? That's why Anthony Davis got taken number one. I mean, I'd rather miss on him than get somebody else – and they may hit, but the person that you skip on hit big, sort of like Jason Tatum. Everybody, it's not not to this magnitude. No, but, but I see what you're saying. But he was probably the most polished player in that draft. Yeah, he was hands down the most ready. And got skipped over twice over guys who have potential upside that's more than him. Yeah. But he proved everybody wrong last year. Will it continue? Who knows? Can Fultz just looks awful right now. I don't think he can shoot the ball to save his life. Okay, but he couldn't shoot the ball coming in at the I draft. mean, he can't make yeah, free throw. They knew what they were And doing. the Sixers need oh. shooting. The Sixers need shooting, so I don't know why. I don't know how that was a good fit. And then Lonzo can't shoot anyway. He's a more pilot. I think he was the best passer in the draft. Well, well you can't argue with that. Fultz and athleticism just he, just... he just has to work on his shot. And then... What you got? That's all, that's all I mean. All full test is athleticism. I mean, I agree. Those, I mean, they they saw a guy that could finish with either hand, could go up, and they thought that they could do like with Lonzo and try to fix a shot, which I don't think is as easy as they make it out to be. Fixing your shot is not easy at all. Uh, it takes a lot of work, and uh, if you fix it in the all season, and that's like him, it's him every and Lonzo day. are both changing their shots. Well, also, you see this more often. You People take them off athleticism more than polish. Yes. With Jabari Parker and Andrew Wiggins when they were coming to the draft, Jabari Parker would be the Jason Tatum of that draft. Yeah. Most polished player. He was ready for it. I know, ironically, he went to Duke as well. Andrew Wiggins the biggest freak in the draft, though. He, can't, he couldn't shoot, still can't shoot that well. No. But people always said he has a higher ceiling than, than Jabari Parker. Yes. And now we see Jabari Parker going down with these knee injuries, kind of derailed him so him, far. You're either or. You're fine with both. That, the NBA doesn't care, honestly, about shooting ability or anything like that. They want athleticism because if you're you athletic, can, you can do anything with it. That's they want, what I they think. want exciting games. Yeah. And I think that's what helps Zion in the draft. He's the most athletic person that will be in the draft. But, I mean, he can shoot, too. He's proven that through this past weekend yeah. and, and his, the first games. And he, in high school, he never had to shoot. I mean, he was playing against people like me who couldn't guard him if they wanted to. Yeah. But I think the more he works on it, his shot will improve. But he has what is hard for most guys like that to get as a post-presence. Well, you think about it. The reason people take these athletic people with ceilings is because of your boy LeBron James. Yeah. Same same way you're talking with Zion Williamson. He didn't have to shoot in high school. You can't no, guard him. No. Most people can't guard him now. If he wanted to get to the hole, he could get to the hole. And so, as every year, now percentage-wise, I don't know what the stats on it is, but it seems like every year he's gotten his shot a little bit better. Uh, he shoots better from three now than he ever has. Exactly. So, you can learn how to shoot. Yeah. Zach Levine, when he came into the draft, he didn't start at UCLA. He averaged probably, I think, four points a game. 
But you see him now, and he's one of the most... Sort of like the Alvin Kamara of the NBA. Exactly. Alvin Kamara underused in college at Tennessee. Now you look at him as one of the best backs in the NFL. The guy who started over uh, Zach Levine at UCLA actually went last pick in the first round, or really late in the first round, like 30th or something. I think it was just a better athlete of the two. Exactly, and that's what they look for. That's what you got to look at, too. Some guys go to these schools, and they get in practice, and they may be great players, but they may not fit the system the coach is trying to run, so therefore they don't get the playing time. Yeah. Where in the NBA, it's just sort of run and gun, who's got the best athletes. And 9.99999 times out of 10 – it's man-to-man defense. Yeah. I mean, there's very no zone in the NBA. I mean, you can see some zones sometimes, but very rarely. I've seen it once in my entire life. Yeah, no, you can't run a zone because you can't have anybody in the paint. Exactly. And so, that's why you don't. So, if you run a zone, it'd have to be something. It'd have to be something weird that yeah. nobody's ever seen. And I just mean. And then the paint's going to be wide open. Well, you, run a, you can run a box in one, and yeah. your one guy just yeah. and be your man-in-man at all times. But back in college, I really, being here in Ole Miss, we get a chance to go and watch more sports than we get to see other teams, especially college basketball this time of year. I really like the job early on that Kermit Davis is doing. I mean, the team just seems to be playing harder and have a better philosophy on defense than it seems they have in years past. Well, it didn't take much. No. And, I mean, it seems like they just gave up last year. They. I mean. There, I mean, they, there was no effort. In years past, we would not have walked into Butler and been competitive. I mean, we had a five-point lead five minutes ago. The guys have just never been in a situation like that to close. And that's why I think playing the bigger bigger games early on in the season helps you going into conference play and trying to make the tournament. Because us playing Butler – We know what a tough team looks like, what a real team looks like. And even losing a loss to Butler is better than a win – Against Nichols, Nichols, in my opinion. Because you go into Butler and played them tough at their place. No, you didn't win, but you showed that you can play ball. If Butler goes on and has the season that everybody expects a typical Butler team to have. And the the seven-point ending, seven-point deficit doesn't explain how tough that team played against them. No, the game was closer than seven points. I mean, it was just free throws late, like most college basketball games are. You you foul the guys yeah. and hope that they miss a couple, but when they make the free throws, the game's over. I mean, I've seen a one point game turn into an eleven point yeah. defeat. Yeah. yeah, I mean, fouls is one thing that we have to clean up as a team. They have to clean up as a team. I think Bruce Stevens fouling out in that game really hurt, really hurt the team because Olenichek never really had a rhythm going in that game at all, and when Stevens was on the court, we just seen better balanced and ran the court better and played better defense because he can guard multiple positions. Where Olenicek sort of like just strictly guarding the big man. He can't move laterally quick enough to cover some of those guys. Our big men really need to step up in the aspect of rebounding. Yeah. I mean, that's a key to it, to it yeah. is yeah, I mean, the big men. Our and, big men had two rebounds. Bruce Stevens and Olenicek had one each. Yeah. That's pathetic. But the the young guys we have as freshmen, I've seen that I haven't seen here in the past, is they have a lot of length. Whereas, usually you walk in the gym, it's we don't have length. Like when we play Kentucky, Kentucky's taller and longer than us. 
Also faster, stronger, more athletic. At every position on the court. But this year it looks like the young guys, once they get their feet, once they get their feet wet and figure out sort of the ins and outs of college, we'll be a better team late than many think we will be. I think we could end up being a bubble team maybe if things go right. But I think we have to get some key wins early on in the season and then play hot in SEC play. I think we'll be more competitive than a bubble team when it comes, at least when it comes to SEC play. Uh, I mean, this Friday is going to be a real test against Baylor. Yeah. Baylor whooped up on Nichols when they played them earlier this week. And I mean, if we can if we can go to a neutral site and take down a Baylor team, I feel like we have there. There's a lot to look forward to. It just gives the team confidence. If you can knock off a team like that, that's proven to be pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they played Baylor a couple of years ago at home. And played Baylor tight. Fifth. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that was a really good game. It was a good game. We hung with them till late where Baylor sort of pulled yeah. away a little bit, but we played them tough. Here's a fun fact for y'all. I don't, I don't know if y'all know this. I'm sure I've told y'all. Kermit Davis is actually from Leakesville, Mississippi. I think you said that on the show one time. Oh, have I? I think so. I'm yeah. not sure. Well, but he claims Waynesboro is his hometown, which is where we're all from. Yeah. And... I didn't know that until one day somebody told me, and I was like, "Maybe we can sort of get up with them and let them know we're we're from Waynesboro and get them on the show someday." Yeah, I mean, but here's the thing with Kermit Davis: he he built something at Middle Tennessee State, and he's gonna have to build something here. And it took a long time for that to happen. And what he, he built at Middle Tennessee State too is impressive. I mean, like the, Middle Tennessee is not a it's not an Xavier. It's not one of those small schools yeah. that you expect to be good. He he went in there and he put a, a philosophy of don't back down, don't quit, keep it rolling. Yeah, well, his biggest win, in my opinion, at Middle Tennessee State, they were ranked 15th in the tournament, and they beat a two-ranked Michigan State team. Yeah. And if you watch that game at all, they beat them from tip-off to the final buzzer. And it wasn't like just a beat-down but they had Michigan State on the ropes the whole game, and they couldn't yeah. get back in it. And the thing here, it took a while to build at Middle Tennessee State, <coughs> but I think with the pavilion and the facilities that we have here, all he needs is a couple of good seasons, 22, 23-1 seasons, to see that. Get recruits to see, hey, Ole Miss is competitive now. They have great facilities where I would enjoy to play. I mean, Oxford as a whole, the campus is a great pool for recruits. But I mean, the pavilion itself. I mean, having the family atmosphere on campus is what you hear a lot in football and deciding in those recruits. And just the pavilion is just a great, great basketball arena. I mean, they did a great job with it. How much did they fork out for it, you remember? No, I don't. It was like, I don't know. The forward together campaign was like, I don't remember, $90 million or something. For $90 million, a large you, you better have a nice facility. Yeah. I mean, it's top of the line. We used to have a ceasefire store in it, and it shut down for like three weeks. Yeah. Still open. Is it? Can, we, can we talk about the improvement in three-point shooting for this team, though? Yeah, dude. Last year, they were – I don't want to say that they were just terrible, but – they were terrible. They forced shots. Yeah, they exactly. Forced yeah. Too many they didn't pointers. take good threes. And they right took, now, it looks like they're averaging right around forty percent from three point line. That's a massive improvement, and in, in just in off season. I mean, where does that come from? 
I mean, I just think it comes from taking better shots. Exactly. And not taking a shot that you don't need to take with a hand in your face. It was like when we were at the game the other day, Tyree took like two contested threes in a row. And Kermit yelled at him like, we're driving the ball. And he came down and took sort of like a leaner or a runner or something. And he immediately turned and got a guy off the bench and got him out of there. I mean, from what I could tell, he's looking to get the guys to push and drive to the hole more. Which is what opens up your offense yeah. is when you can drive to the hole and get baskets. Sort of like Duke. Yeah. Like I said, that's exactly how Duke plays. I mean, they play from the inside out. They establish their post, and then that opens up the perimeter for your shooters. Well, that's also, what, Duke runs the four better than any team in the country, yeah, and they I mean, always run the it's four. It's not fair to compare them to anybody. Yeah. But, I mean, that working inside out, that was where you saw us actually when we had – Good moments in games. That's when we actually did it right, and we were doing it more now with Kermit. He want he wants to push it in and then just dump it out yeah. and keep it moving. Well, I mean, if you got the shooters to do it, I don't see why you wouldn't do does. it. Like very rarely nowadays do you see a Bob Huggins when he was at Cincinnati. You run a five out, yeah. and that's a good offense to run if you have the shooters on the perimeter that can do it. But you also have the athletes playing small ball that can drive to the hole. But you don't see that a lot. You don't even see that from Bob Huggins that much anymore. But, I mean, he kind of built that with five out. But then playing inside out is, in my opinion, one of the best ways. But the way to get it started is you have to be able to run the floor. If you can run the floor effectively, you can beat any team in this country. And from watching them early in the season in the first game of the year, I think Kansas has the potential to have the best backcourt in the league. Okay, but, you, I mean, they're still going to choke at the end of the year. I mean, they might, but I just think they have the potential to have the best two, best combination of two starting guards in the country. You wouldn't – I mean, you wouldn't say Trey Jones and R.J. Barrett? I don't classify R.J. Barrett as a two. You'd say he's more of a three? I think he's more of a three stretch four Okay. than a two. I'm talking like pure guard. He's not a guy that's consistently going to bring the ball up. Yeah, I like uh, I like. I mean, I saw I saw Kansas play first week. Obviously, that's the only time I've seen them, and I thought the guards played well. I thought Michigan State's guard was their 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 backcourt's pretty good. And the thing about Kansas guards, they played AAU ball together for a couple of years, so they sort of already have that chemistry of playing with each other, and I think that helps them early on in the season. The thing with basketball is, is a really high scoring game, obviously. That's where the that's where the NBA is wanting to push it, and college is sort of having to follow suit with it. Yeah, but you know what else was really high scoring? Monday night football. Monday night football. Who saw that coming? I did. Everyone. I mean, but the thing is, though, you yes, we talk about the offense, and the offense was amazing in this game. There were what seven. Total turnovers, six, seven total turnovers. I mean, Mahomes turned the ball over five times. And three defensive touchdowns. Yeah, the defense did work. I mean, I mean, they both defenses give up 40-plus points. Yeah, it was up. But, I mean, they both scored, and the defense won the game late for the Rams. I mean, it was just an all-timer. I mean, I mean because, they put up 100 points in an NFL game. Because the Rams jumped That's out. That's up. Yeah. Rams jumped out early, got up 10. Everybody's like, hold up. We're about to see a runaway. And then you blink your eyes and it's tied. Well, that's what happens I with mean, Kansas City. That offense is just so potent, man, with 
Tyreek Hill, he can run past anyone in the league. There, I mean, I don't think there's a corner that can keep up with him. Kareem Hunt, he's just a freak athlete. Patrick Mahomes, five, I mean, five turnovers. I know at least one of those was just a fluke. I mean, how many times is a ball going to get batted into an offensive lineman and then back into the hands of the man that batted it? I mean, there, though, he, he never reset his feet yeah. and threw the ball. The only two I can see as being, okay, that was just a great football play, was the two strip sacks by Aaron Donald from behind. Yeah. I mean, there's really nothing you can do with Aaron Donald bearing down on your back. And he's really adjusted to the rough and the passer rule. And if, and if and you can't, Aaron Donald's already the best defensive player in football. R- r- really? I mean, it's him or Khalil Mack. Okay. I mean, as long as I mean, as long as you say Khalil Mack. I mean, it's him or Khalil Mack, and I just think right now because he's, he's playing, playing really he good football every week. I think he's the best defensive player in the league, and he's a handful. It's been, I mean, he's he was a handful in years past, and now you put. Two first round picks beside him, with Sue and Fowler in his name. Yeah. Well, uh, well, Dante Fowler's actually going to come off the bench a little bit for him, I think. And relieved. he's still off the edge when yeah. he's in. And I mean, who do you block? If you double him, Sue's getting back there, or a guy from the edge is going to be free. I mean, you you can't just pick your poison on who to block, and they still give up fifty. Mm-hmm. That's that's just strange. I mean. That just shows you how good their offense, the Chiefs' offense is. And both offenses showed out. I think we can all agree that the playoffs this year are going to be really exciting to watch. I think it's going to be one of the most exciting NFL playoffs that I've ever seen. Because you look at every division, and basically every division across each league has a team that can compete for a Super Bowl. Except for the NFC East. Yeah. Well, the NFC North, I mean, they have the Vikings there that could the potentially. Bears. The Bears' the defense, defense is going to keep them into a game. The Bears, de- Bears. the Bears' defense will keep them in games. I just don't know if it comes down to a last-minute drive if Trubisky can do that. Well, here's, here's my that's take what, on that. That's why, they're not, that's why they're not higher on the list right now. Because in the NFC, you look, you have the Saints and the Rams that you're going to have to go through because they're – more than likely going to be the top two seeds. So you get the NFC Championship game, you'd have to beat one of those two teams. And it's like they're probably going to hang 35 a game. They, well, they will hang 35 a game. Two things. One, th- I think this solidifies the Saints as the number one team. This Rams-Chiefs game, it solidified them as the number one team right now in the NFL. I don't know if I can agree with that. I, mean, I feel like those and stuff you have to. Who would you would you still say it's the Rams? I, I don't think you can rank the top three. I don't think you can put them in an order. Well, I mean, Brady said the same thing last week. He said the top I mean, three is just up there. It's just yeah. them three right now. It's up in the air. I mean, and you can never count Tom Brady out of anything come playoff time. And I mean, Big Ben knows how to. He's had, he's won his fair share of playoff games. He just can't beat Brady. True. But I mean, with he, with the Bears thing. And, and you, I don't know if you watched the Sunday Night Football game a whole lot, but I said last week that this was going to be the best primetime weekend in the NFL. I didn't watch much of the Sunday Night game. I was at my uncle's house, and we watched Survivor Series, so well, I not, didn't get a chance to catch for that any one. of it. But it was a really – I mean, it was a good game. Yeah. So my question is, who? I mean, who do you think the best coach in the NFL is right now? The last coach? Yes. Sean McVay. And like you say, Sean McVay. Uh, yeah, Sean McVay or 
I, I could I could give Andy Reid a nod there too. Nah. Andy Reid's been in the league long enough, and that's he's why had I didn't. and he's had teams like this that 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 didn't. And that's why Bowl. I didn't say Sean Payton either. Ex- because, and exactly because they've both been up and down right now, and it's gonna happen to Sean McVay more than likely. It's gonna happen, but he's the hottest thing right now in the NFL. He's definitely everybody awesome. looking for a coach is wanting to find somebody similar to Sean McVay and how he runs it. Sort of like the Bears. Go I think, out and get I, Matt Nagy. I think, I think Matt Nagy's the best coach in the NFL. I think he's one of the best coaches in the NFL. I won't say he's the best because we don't see the success of the offense quite yet. Well, let, well, let me tell you why I think this. You see McVay in Los Angeles. I, I'm not discrediting him. He's a great coach. He does have Jared Goff. And Todd Gurley, yeah. and he has this defense, and and that's good. Yeah, he has a bunch of animals on his team. There's no doubt about that. And you look at what Matt Nagy's doing offensively with Trubisky. Mm-hmm. Now, is Trubisky anything like Jared Goff right now? Absolutely not. Nah. But he, Matt Nagy, sees that, and he's been building and running this offense around his strengths. Yeah. Getting him outside of the park. He has no weapons. He, I mean, he does. His best weapon might actually be Trey Burton, yeah. which is a mediocre of the pack tight end. And you see what he's been doing to get them points on the board and everything? Mm-hmm. And I think that he coaches really, really well. Yeah. And so without the offensive firepower that he doesn't have to win these games, I would say he's the best coach. Uh, you said, I agree with that. I mean, he's a great coach. But you look, that Bears defense was good last year before he got there. Yeah. And with the additional Khalil Mack to any defense – they're going to make that jump, obviously. So I just – if the defense would have been absolute trash last year, I would give it to him. But I just think overall the offense just hasn't quite played well enough for me to say that. Now, I would say in the NFL this year, he is a top top six coach. Because you have McVay, Belichick, Peyton, and – he falls in after those guys. I mean, I take Shanahan's a great coach. I think he is, and he'll get and, it rolling. I mean, he's just he's just had injuries the past yeah. couple of years, and they same thing with the I think they. But, have, see, but look what he did when, with the I backups think, coming in. I think they have the, they have less offensive weapons than the Bears. Absolutely. They don't have anybody but Marquise Goodwin, which is a. And the Tyree record Kill, reflects that Tyreek Hill type player. Yeah. And I just think that. He falls in after those guys, the top-line coaches. You throw Andy Reid in there just because of what he does in the regular season. I mean, he's an offensive genius. That, that's why I, I put him in there. And it's not def- necessarily because of his defense. You look at their two losses, though. To the they're, Patriots and to the Rams, and they're it's two, really close. They have scored a combined 96 points in their two losses. They scored 51 and 45 in losses. That's mind-boggling in the NFL. That your defense, if you can score forty-five, you tell me somebody scores forty-five points every game in the NFL season, would you say they're undefeated? Yeah, I would too. The only the only conference in any football that I think if you score forty-five points and you still lose in ball games is the Big Twelve. Yeah, and that's just mind-boggling. Yeah. And each game is like three, four points. It's like combined to one score. They've lost their two high-scoring games this season. Mm-hmm. I mean, the defense just has to make that timely stop. 
And that's what's separating them right now on their two losses. It starts with Houston. I mean, he's got to get healthy, and he's got to. I mean, to and you field. saw when he was in there. Yeah. They played a lot better than they have. I mean, they you would say. I mean, the guy's just taking attention away from everybody else. I yeah. mean, that's a guy you have to double. And every defense needs that guy that you have to look at and say, okay, we have to block him and not make him a difference. Because every other guy on the line, they're NFL talents. They're going to win their one-on-ones every now and then. Yeah. They're going to win their fair share of them. And, I mean, just having a guy that you can double consistently helps your defense overall. And also not having Eric Berry on the back end hurts. Yeah. I mean, it does. Because, I mean, he yeah, is the leader huge. of that defense. That's yeah. huge. That, that's, I mean, he's the leader of that defense, if not the leader of that team. It's definitely an anchor back there that – that not you many can, teams have. Yeah, you can mm-hmm. expect a big hit. You can expect a big play every game that's just going to give you some kind of momentum to carry you through the game. Yeah. I mean, he's one of the best safeties in football when he's healthy. But I just think I just think that that was the best NFL game that I have ever seen in my life, regular season-wise. I mean, Jerry I think, just drops dimes. He does. I think, the only one I put up there game-wise would be, off the top of my head, would be the Super Bowl when the Pats were 18-0 and and Eli beat them. Because that was a great back-and-forth game where Eli throws a pass to Plexico at the end to yeah. put them up and eventually sort of seal that game. I think that's one of the – I mean, in the, the reason I put this game over the Rams-Saints game this game was sort of back and forth throughout the whole game. I mean, yeah, the Saints kind of you saw took away the, with it. You saw in the Saints game, the Saints jumped out to 35-21, Maybe something up there. Something yeah, in there. And then they, I think they sort of took their foot off the gas, and the Rams got back in and tied it up. And then Sean Payton said, okay, we're going to put our foot back down on the gas, and they ran away with it. But, I, I mean, that, that's kind of a testament to the Rams, too. I mean, they lost that game. But they didn't play well in it at all. I think the reason they didn't play well in it is I think the Saints defense is better than most think. It's definitely improved. Because they have a bad rep of always having a terrible defense. And as you look in the past, when the Saints are good, they have a good defense. Because the offense is there every year. The Saints lose shootouts. I mean, the one time they had a really good defense, they won won the Super Super Bowl. Bowl. And I just think... I'm surprised that... The Eli Apple trade has worked out. It doesn't really shock me that much because he's a he's has talent, obviously. But once you get him in that locker room with fellow Ohio State alumni, yeah. I, mean, I mean, that's a brotherhood, and you and you have more control. Exactly, somebody you're in college with for two or three years. And when you get traded from a really shitty team to a really good team, your whole demeanor changes. Look at Josh Gordon. True. Sure. Never played in Cleveland. And I don't think he actually even wanted to play in Cleveland. No. And he goes to the Patriots and he's kind of like, okay, well, I know that they're not going to work with me like Cleveland did. I have to get my act together and I have to change it up. Because he – Belichick will ship him out. He did it with Chad Johnson. I mean, I'll get rid of him real quick. You can't – I mean, I'm really surprised that Josh Gordon has done as well as he has. I mean, if I told you three years ago, Josh Gordon would be – Tom Brady's number one target in 2018. Would either of y'all have believed that? No. No. Not at all. Not at all. 
And mm-hmm. getting back to this Monday Night Football game with Mahomes and Gurley and golf, does this put them in the MVP race more or less? Or how, Brady, how do you think that's shaking up right now after this game? I think Jared Goff finally – I think this was the game shot that they gave him and sort of said, hey, we're going to give you this game and we're going to see what you got because Ty Gurley basically was non-existent throughout this game. And Ty Gurley was non-existent in the New Orleans game after that first drive. And I drive. think after those two games, you can't put him in MVP conversation anymore. Two biggest games he's played and will play in the regular season, he was basically non-factor. So you take him out – I. Th- I see Drew Brees. If Mahomes, when they get the ball back in one of those last two drives where he has two picks, if he goes down and scores and they win that game and he has that big drive, I think it's over. I think that's his MVP moment, and I think if they continue to win, he wins MVP. But with him throwing those two picks, the second one, I mean, the clock's running down. He really had nowhere else to go with it. He was just trying to force it and make something happen. Okay. But you can't give the ball away in those situations. The greats don't. The greats go down and score. And I think he will figure that out. I mean, you got to think, what is it? His 12th NFL game? NFL uh, start? 16th, I think. Not, no, this, no, this is, is 12. It's only, he's, only, yeah, he's only played in 12 games. He only played in okay. one game last season. And they're 9-2 and two now, so that'll be 12, I mean. He just turns the ball over a lot more than I would like. I but mean, at the same time, at, he's throwing up 50-50 balls. Yeah. Well, and I, look, I mean, you take and this. That's, a, that's just the mentality. You knew what you were getting when you got him. He's a gunslinger. That's yeah. the air raid. I mean, he comes I from mean, that air raid offense, and, and I, that's what you do. And that's I looked at style. it the other day, and he has – 36 touchdowns and 10 picks. And Drew Brees has 25 touchdowns and one, one pick. Yeah. And when you add that up, I think it's even. Because he has the the 25 subtract 10. 36 subtract 10 is 26. And 25 add 1 or whatever, I think it evens out. With production wise, yeah, but you you can't you can't uh, justify yeah, that's a touchdown, one touchdown to one interception. That's not that's not acceptable. If you went touch like touchdown to turnover ratio, that'd be one thing. I mean, and I get what you're saying. I mean, but you take away a five turnover game, uh, they're gonna give it to Drew Brees. Let's just go ahead and say that they're gonna give it to him. Well, even if, if they, they give it to him, I mean, he's earned it. I mean, he's finally. I mean. I think this is not even one, not even his best season of his career, maybe. And he's going to win the MVP. And there's still six games left. Yeah. Because. It's just like Kobe and Chris Paul back yeah. in 2008. And Chris Paul deserved to be the MVP that year. Yes. They gave it to Kobe Bryant because, I mean, Kobe had one more. Kobe. When Aaron Rodgers won his second MVP. Mm-hmm. J.J. Watt should have won that MVP, yes. and they gave it to Aaron Rodgers because all these analysts and, suck his dick. And I want to throw – Aaron Donald in there just because he's a dominant force on defense Yeah, that can't be blocked. But the NFL has sort of proven that they're not going to they're not gonna give it to a defensive it's guy. All, it's an offensive game It's a now. quarterback award. And that's why you see more people trying to go get offensive guys because that's where the game's going. Yeah. It's just like the Heisman nowadays. I mean, I think it's exactly, exactly. It's a quarterback's I mean, trophy. It's Drew Brees, Goff, or Mahomes right now. For me. I mean, I really think it's Drew Brees or, or Mahomes. 
Yeah. I mean, so I, I don't think Mahomes think, is out of the out of the running at all. No, but I just think the turnovers, they're going to look at turnovers, and that's going to hurt him no matter how many touchdown passes he has. Or no matter because, how many yards. Because yeah. 10 picks is a lot. Well, if he doesn't turn the ball over in the next six weeks, 10 I mean, picks is not that much. He's going to. I mean, just the style he plays, you have to figure that he's going to have picks in there. I mean, but you got even look. five more interceptions. It's not that much. He didn't have a pick going into what week six or seven. That's yeah. what I was about to say. I mean, and he, he had what three the last game. When he yeah, has three interceptions in Monday Night Football. Yeah, but when I mean, he gets picks, they come in bunches. Yeah, just yeah. like Jay Fromm. Yeah, I mean, but he's gonna make more plays than he does with his arm. I mean, I it's mean, not like he turns the ball over just as much as Nathan Peterman does or did. <laughs> Poor Nathan we, can't, Peter. we can't. We can't exactly I mean, compare those two. He has, a, <laughs> he has the best arm in the NFL. Who? It's him or Aaron Rodgers. It's hard to argue with that. As Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers, pure arm strength and just rear back. We're on the thirty, and we got to get it to the end zone. I'm taking Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers to get that football there. The only other one that really comes to mind, as far as people making a big deal out of it, yeah. is Josh Allen. Yeah, but we haven't seen. I've never seen him do that. And even then, I don't know. I couldn't. I couldn't respect him enough to say that he could hit hit or hit a target. No. But Rodgers or Mahomes, yeah, seventy yards. They might could put it in a trash can. I mean, you saw the video of Mahomes warming up for Monday Night Football. He's just sitting there, probably looked like his first throw of the day, sixty yards. I mean, sheesh, man. He's got a cannon. So sure. here's a here's a question, and I've had this debate with a lot of buddies this past couple weeks. Who's the who's a better quarterback, Drew Brees or Aaron Rodgers? Well, there's two sides of it when I saw this question earlier. There's two sides and two different ways that people are going to look at this. Well, let's hear them. You're going to have the championship people. They each have one championship, and if you're going to look all the, at it based off just championships you're going to say they're basically even. And it's going to be whoever you think is better personally, if you look at it that way. But if you go and look at the stats, it's not close. Drew Brees is better than Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you can't you can't look at the stats and honestly tell me with a straight face that Aaron Rodgers is better than Drew Brees. Well, here's the argument all the time. is Well, well Drew Brees has played way longer in the league than Aaron Rodgers. Okay, go back and look at the stats in 10 years when Aaron Rodgers has made, played as many seasons as Drew Brees. Drew Brees will still have more 5,000-yard passing seasons yep. than Aaron Rodgers dreams of having. But who does and, Aaron Rodgers have around him? I mean, you look at Drew Brees a few years ago. He had, he, You look at Drew Brees right now. Who's he got besides on? Um, it's Michael Thomas. Besides Michael Thomas, tell me a receiver on that team. Tell me a receiver. Going to, two weeks ago, going into I think week ten or something like that. I mean, and Devontae Adams and Michael Thomas, I would say they're very similar receivers. Dude, Adams is. I mean, he's getting randomly drug tested three weeks in a row for a reason. Yeah, he's he's going. He's on. coming out of nowhere. I mean, yeah. he's just as good as Michael Thomas, I think. Well, the thing is, between the leading receiver and the second leading receiver, it was six hundred and sixty-six yards between those two for both teams. No, no, no. Between Michael Thomas. All right. And Traquan Smith. Yeah. I just feel like, I feel like it should be the same way for the Packers as well. Yeah, easily. Yeah. Easily. But the only difference right now between the two teams, I think, is defensive play and running back play. 
definitely running back play because because the Drew Brees has Drew Brees has the benefit now where he had in the past he had the benefit of turning around and handing the ball to Kamara or Ingram or either dumping it off to Kamara out of the backfield because he's a nightmare to guard and I think this year that's the difference in the two teams is defensive play which really does not affect the offense at all which is what we're talking about I just think the difference is Kamara and Ingram Aaron Rodgers doesn't have a Kamara or an Ingram. And I think that hurts him because playing Green Bay, you can drop back in coverage and feel confident that your front four or five can stop their run. You know? Yeah. And if you play the Saints and you drop everybody in coverage, your front four or five are not gonna is not gonna consistently stop Mark Ingram or Kamara. And I just think that's the difference in their play this year, but looking at overall stats you have to go breeze. I'd have to argue that defense does affect offense, though. I mean, that... But you look in the past, the Saints have had terrible defenses. And he's still, Brees, he still had great seasons. He's still throwing for 5,000 yeah, yards. But, I mean, that's just a testament to Drew Brees. Yeah. I think, also, the big key for me comes down to Jimmy Graham. Because you cannot tell me that... Within the matter of weeks that he left, that he was traded from the Saints to the Seahawks, that he dwindled that much. Yeah. And then a few years later, he's in Green Bay and he's not doing anything. And I think that, and a lot of people say, okay, well, Aaron Rodgers doesn't have any receivers. And I've said this before. I know you've heard me say this. Good quarterbacks make wide receivers. Yeah. I mean,. Drew Brees has gotten many receiver contracts. He got Willie Snead a contract. Who was Marcus Colson before Drew, before Drew Brees had him? He was just Marcus Colson. He's from Hofstra University, seventh-round draft pick, two picks away from being the last pick in the draft, yeah. all-time leading receiver in Saints history. Yeah. Who's that guy that went to Kenny Stills? He got him a contract. Yeah, he went Drew, to Miami. Drew Brees gets guys contracts. And, I mean, Ben Watson, even a bottom-tier tight end, is one of his main weapons and yeah. gets the and same over Josh. Third string tight ends are getting touchdown yeah. opportunities. I mean, that's and just, the, and you can say that that might be a testament to uh, Sean Payton over Mike McCarthy. Rogers has had an opportunity to leave Green Bay twice, and he has not. So he values money more than winning. Yeah. Whereas Drew Brees stays in signs. He don't give up much. No, but he doesn't right. sign those long-term deals. That's his hometown right. discount. Yeah. As he signs one-year deals. And you restructure as the years go on. Exactly. But I just think... Sean I, Payton's mind definitely helps Drew Brees, though. Because, I mean... They're, I, a, ma- they're a match made in I him. mean, he's who, one of the best offensive minds in football. Like, who who would take a quarterback that is, what, almost 30 from BYU and use him in almost every play in your offense? in almost every formation, have him as a kick returner. That's a great point. They say he's the fastest guy on the team. I mean, they, say him, and, they say him and Camaro's raced. And I mean, whoever the, the fastest guy on the team is, they say they've raced. And the dude's a freak athlete. If He was at BYU. Even he was Dark Horse Hosman Trophy like three years at BYU. Listening to the Pat McAfee show today from yesterday's episode, I heard him say, Mark Ingram said in an interview that Taysom Hill's nickname in the locker room is Taysom of this. Uh, that tells you all you need to know about Taysom Hill. I do not think he's the heir to Drew Brees. No. 
I think they really brought Teddy Bridgewater in. You think they re-signed him? Yes. I think if he is willing to come back. For a discount. I mean, he's not going to get a big deal yet. No, it's not, nobody's going to sign him for a big deal. I'd sign him for the same amount of years as you signed Drew Brees. One year longer than Drew Brees or the same amount as Drew Brees. So that way, when Drew Brees' next deal is up, you can look at Teddy and say, we're going to stick with Brees for one or two more years. Are you willing to wait? And then if he's not, he can take another deal. But if he is, he can stay. And you can, you can always get somebody. Yeah, and I, and I just think that's a good way to approach it with him, to offer him that, because, I mean, that's probably the fairest thing you can get. Well, and the thing is, Teddy we Bridgewater. haven't seen Teddy Bridgewater yet, not even in preseason uh-uh. with this, with Sean Payton. I heard somebody say they want him to go to Jacksonville. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater with in a wheelchair could play better quarterback than Blake Burles has been playing. Who couldn't? I mean, it it's pathetic. He yeah, he's he's been struggling. I mean, I mean, but that whole Jags team has been struggling too. I don't know the what defense happened, has been struggling. I mean, what happened between last year? They went to the AFC Championship game. They just got hot. And almost beat the Patriots. They just got hot. That's all it is. Sometimes you get on a roll and you're just playing out of your head and it just and it stopped and the season was over and they just couldn't replicate it this season. So I really just don't know there. You know who the team that I think, every time somebody says you got to get hot at the right time, I think of UConn. When Kemba Walker was there, and Cardiac Kemba, the legend was born. I mean, it seems like every year, not even with him not there, if they have anybody that's talented, it seems like they're just moseying on through the year, and then come middle of February, it's like, oh shit, here comes UConn. A light flips where, on. Where did they come from? But the thing is, he won. They they won five games in five days, and that Pitt team they beat in the Big East tournament in the Garden. The five was that, overtime game with Syracuse is iconic. Yes. I mean, they they were playing like two in the morning or something like yeah, that. that. was a that, great game. That's crazy. Yeah. You you damn sure don't see that in the NFL. And if, if the games went to more than one overtime, they wouldn't show it to you. No. Nope. Going back to the Jags, I just feel like there's, there's a lot of noise surrounding that defense because of Jalen Ramsey opening his mouth before the season. Oh, he's done in this offseason. They're going to chip him out for sure. They talk about trading him, then he comes out against two picks this week. That's, I mean, that's I the mean, thing. I agree with that. Like, I still think he's a top-tier DB in the league, though. Oh, he's he's top five. I mean, he's good. He can't control what everybody else does, but he handles his business. True. But, I mean, but he, him, him coming out and saying that. Put a target on their back. Yes. Yeah. I mean, everybody, every quarterback, especially the ones he called out, wants a shot at that defense. They want to light those guys up. I mean, can you blame them? No, not at all. I mean, he shut Ben down. They shut Ben down for three and a half quarters. But he came back to him. Daddy was. I mean, I've never been home, Ben Roethlisberger. Don't get me wrong, I think he's a good quarterback. But I've never been like, oh, Ben Roethlisberger is one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play this game. I mean, that was a, that was a really good draft class. Yeah. You had Eli, and you had the Phillip Rivers trade on draft day, and you had Ben Roethlisberger. So, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, was Aaron Rodgers in that draft, or was he? I'm not sure. The not year after, it it was somewhere in there, <laughs> and. 
I think Phillip Rivers has he's never really done much. I don't know if he's even won a playoff game, to be honest with you. If so, it's only been a, a couple. But he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, in my opinion. Speaking of Phillip Rivers, the Chargers are just sort of moseying along. At They're a team that you right really now. need to, to watch out for. They're yeah. one game out of their division right now behind the Chiefs. I'd watch out for them because those are going to be – they still have to play Chiefs twice. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's tough to say that the Chargers are going to beat the Chiefs. I mean, and – Offensively, I think that they could they can hang with them. I don't know. I mean, they can score points, but I don't know if they can. I don't know if they can do what Kansas City can do. And Kansas City's defense has been stepping up tremendously as the season's carried on. I know they got fifty dropped on them last week, but it were, it was by the Rams. It's kind of like losing to Bama. I mean, you kind of expect it, you know. Yeah, I mean. But the thing is, we talked earlier. Get, they'll get in the playoffs. They'll draw the Pats, and they'll lose in the first round. Because well, if they make the playoffs, they're going to have to make it through the wild card. Yeah. But we talked earlier about Rodgers or Mahomes being yeah. the gunslinger from 70 yards. Yeah. When you say gunslinger, Phillip Rivers is the guy that comes to my mind. And he's somebody that always gets left out. I just never liked Phillip Rivers. He just kind of flies under the radar. I don't know. And it's because of his playoff record. Yeah. I, and, like I mean, who's, who has he had – Surrounding him at the Chargers, Antonio Gates. Well, I mean, he's had Keenan Allen. If he can never stay healthy, Maybe. I mean, you can guarantee you can guarantee that in the preseason, oh, uh, Chargers wide receivers going to tear their ACL. You look at another thing though. What do they have that all these great teams have? A great running back. Yeah, Melvin that, Gordon is a, is a dog. Melvin Gordon's having a great season. Yeah. Well, so but you know, the Steelers are big man. James Conner is. is. The problem, though, with the Chargers right now that they'll never get out of, especially now, is they're in L.A. with the Rams. They're never going to be L.A.'s team. They can't fill a 20,000-seat stadium. And the Rams are selling out the Coliseum. Yeah, that didn't make – You see any any of the stars at a a Chargers game? Well, the thing is, I don't understand why they don't play at the Rose Bowl. I don't understand why they put two teams in L.A. Okay, the Chargers, they're stupid. Their whole organization. That's why Eli Manning did not want to go play for them. It's because he knew how ignorant they are. I just think it's stupid. They'll they'll never come out of the Rams' shadow. I mean, that's because the Rams have been in L.A. before. Mm -hmm. Chargers have never been there. And the Rams are good now. Once they go back to L.A., if there was if if there was a team in L.A. that could compete for L.A., it'd be Oakland. Oakland would be the only other team besides the Rams that could compete for the city because they've been there. Because they've been there. And they have a fan base established there. Because you look, they were there so long ago. But say, say your dad or your grandpa was, an, was a Raiders fan, or L.A. Raiders fan, or L.A. Rams fan. When they move, they're still going to like the Raiders or the Rams. Absolutely. So guess what? These kids growing up, they've been around people who love the Rams and the Raiders. So when they come back, it's like, okay, they already have a fan base here. The Chargers never had that. That's why you see a lot of LA, LA fans resonate with like the Dodgers, but also the Raiders or the Lakers and Clippers rather than the Warriors. You know, because they're in LA and they've always been there. And then the Rams also have that base out from St. Louis. Yeah, they got a massive. I mean, 
I mean, they have two fan bases. Man. San Diego hated the Chargers. They would. That's why they left. They wouldn't rebuild their stadium. Yeah, they. I mean, it just didn't work out for them, and it sucks that it didn't because they're never gonna have the following in L.A. and they're gonna have to find somewhere else to play. I wouldn't say I they think won't have the following. They're not. They won't. They never will. I mean, I don't, it doesn't matter how good they are because you look, they're seven and three right now, and nobody's talking about them. Yeah, but you have a you have a team that's casting a shadow that. At the moment, yeah, you're not going to get out from under the Rams' shadow. But can the Rams stay this good forever? I mean, can I they mean, sustain? Can the, the Patriots have been? Can the Chargers? That see, the Chargers have more downside to them because Philip Rivers is their he's the catalyst, and he's, and he's old. old. True. I mean, you look, you look at the covers. The Patriots get it seven and three. The Steelers get it seven two and one. I mean. The Colts are getting more press than them, and the Colts are five and five. I mean, every you look at you scroll through teams in the league, nobody talks about the Chargers, and they're seven and three. And I I have yet to see the Chargers play this season, so I can't comment on their style. Well, you can CBS and Fox for that. But I I can comment on their record. I feel like where they're at right now, they're doing okay because they're flying under the radar. They don't have a target on their back right now. Yeah, but what, what we're trying to say is, is they're never going to be the biggest dog the, in the yard. The thing is, though, two of their losses are to the Chiefs and Rams. Yeah. I mean, they lost the ball both, They lost to the Chiefs by 10 and the Rams by 12. And those are, you'd say, the two of the three best teams in football and yeah. the NFL. And those are two of your losses. So you really can't hang your hat because you really didn't get blown out. I mean, they won a close one against the Niners. I mean, they really haven't blown anybody out unless you talk to the Browns. I mean, they beat the Seahawks, they beat the Raiders twice, beat the 49ers. I guess you could say they haven't beaten anybody yet. Yeah, they they have. I mean, they haven't played anybody. Everybody I mean, you're saying. I mean, they or, played the Rams and the Chiefs. I mean, that's somebody. That's I mean, a, yeah. Coming up, they have the Steelers. They're gonna have to play the Chiefs again. They have the Steelers in two weeks, followed by the Bengals, and then they have the Chiefs, which will be a primetime game on Fox on Thursday night. So they have a chance of redemption. I just yeah, don't, I just it, don't see it happening because they have to go to Arrowhead. I think that they could definitely get a wild card spot. But I don't think they're gonna win their division because they have to beat the Chiefs. And, and also they, they have, have to have the Chiefs and they lose. lost exactly. They they have to have the Chiefs lose. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. The Chiefs have to lose when they don't play them. I mean. So what's the discussion now? Are we discussing them getting the playoffs, or are we discussing them winning LA? Because I mean, it's taking a drastic turn. I just don't. They're not going to win LA. They're not going to win LA, but I, I think they will think make the playoffs. Yeah, they're going to make the playoffs as a wild card. I don't think it's any question about that. I just don't think they'll ever win LA. Or have a good fan base there, you know? I just want to say that they haven't been there that long. It's going to take time. Like y'all said, the Rams had a fan base established before they came. L.A. didn't. So, they got, they've got they've got an uphill battle compared to I'm going to say this and I'm going to be done with it. The worst thing for the Chargers that could have happened has happened. The Rams came back and have been good. Yeah. That's the worst thing that could have happened for the Chargers. Because if the Rams would have came and sucked... People would have flown on the bandwagon. It would have been easier. Yeah. But because the Rams have had two good seasons, I mean, they're in a hole that I don't know if they can get out of. Well, the thing is, and 
I get what you're saying. Like, you need, they need longer to build it up. But you're telling me in the city of Los Angeles that you can't get 25,000, 30,000 people to come to your games? I mean, that's what's crazy. Like, like if they were in San Antonio or Oklahoma City or something, they couldn't fill out that, that is one thing. Which would be better for them because it's a smaller market and that'd be all they had. So they would come. But they're they're at the moment at the moment they're trying to share they're trying to have a market share with both LA and Oakland. And Oakland's leaving. So I feel like that share is gonna kind of Raiders fans are still gonna be Raiders fans. Dude, Raiders fans are diehards. They will murder your babies. But I'm but I'm not saying that you'll have less Raiders fan. I'll say that they'll be able to fill out more when there's one less team in the in the area. I, that's a good point. I get what you're saying. Yeah. All right, that's going to do it for hour one. Uh, check back in with hour two, and we're going to cover um, rivalry week in college football and break down all the news in it. Thank you all for listening. All right, welcome back into hour two of the Air Race Sports Podcast. Um, we hadn't got a chance to discuss it. It is, may not be as fresh on our minds as it would have been Tuesday, but we're still thinking about it. And I'm still pissed off. I'm just gonna ask you, Brady. I mean, was did AJ Brown catch the ball and score a touchdown? Is that even a question? There's only one fan base in the country that would agree that that is not a catch. Vanderbilt. No. Bandy fans agree that that's a catch. They know that's a catch because they're smart people. They're Vanderbilt fans. They probably went to Vandy. <laughs> they probably they, went to Vandy. <laughs> they got a good education, man. You just don't wake up and say, I want to be a Vanderbilt yeah, football fan if you don't go to Vanderbilt, you know? So they're well-educated people. I mean, the Mississippi State fan base is probably the only one that pops into my head that would say, that's not a catch. He didn't catch it. It's a fumble. It's an interception, whatever. That's about the only thing I would say. But after this, I I was at home. I was pretty upset about it, pretty pissed. Could not wrap my head around how this happened. How you do not call that catch. He catches the ball, high points it, has it, has control with two hands. Brings it to his body. Brings it to his hip with with control. After while all this going on, is taking two steps in the end zone. Not outside the end zone, in the end zone. Both feet are down. Both feet are down. I actually made, think he took three steps, to be honest. He has made a football move and has control of the football. And in the end zone, that's a touchdown. <coughs> I mean, it just has to be by definition of every rule I've ever seen in my life. It's a touchdown. And why he stuck the ball out, I don't know. He stuck it out, still had control, but hits the ground, ball is in control. Back hits the ground, ball comes up behind the head, and that's when it gets knocked out. Now, after all this has happened, downfield's called touchdown. You tell me how you go through a sequence like that, and it is not a catch. Because if this is in the field of play, in my opinion, (coughs) even coming back and saying it's an incomplete pass is complete and utter bullshit that you can call that an incomplete pass. Because if this happens in the field, they rule that he has made a football move and has come down, and it would be a fumble of some sorts. It would just have to be a fumble because if you make a football move, that is showing you have possession. That's the big thing they talk about with incomplete passes and fumbles. With the big hits across the middle, 
is that did he have control of the football and make a football move? He had control and made a football move, which rules out an incomplete catch by rules that you demonstrate across the field. And it couldn't have been a fumble in the open field because his his body his was down. On the ground. In the NFL, yeah, maybe. Like like the Des play. If anything, I believe that was a fumble, not an incomplete pass. Oh, the Des called it? Yeah, yeah. Des called it. Yeah. If anything, it was a fumble recovered in the end zone for a touchdown by Dallas. Exactly. From any any viewpoint, I think. I think even Packers fans realize that it was a catch. Yes, they're thankful they got the call. Yes, Vandy fans are thankful they got the call. But then again, you realize, I mean, if it was reversed, I would I would 100% agree. If it would have been Vandy in the end zone, I would say that's a catch. Because just to the naked eye, just anybody watching the game that watches football, that's a catch. And when you rule that, that it's not a catch, it makes you wonder what is a catch anymore. That's like when guys, guys die for the pylon. They hit the pylon and the ball comes out. Touchdown. It's a touchdown. That doesn't When the ball comes out after you hit the pylon, that doesn't make the touchdown invalid or anything. Yeah. So what's the difference in doing that and the difference in what A.J. did? That's a, he, good, that's a good point. He has possession, <laughs> takes two steps, if not three, like Logan said, brings it in, brings it out. I mean, how many more movements? can? How, what is control? I mean, that's another question you got to look at. It's, it's eerily similar to DeMarcus Lodge's no-catch last year in the end zone. Can't remember who we were playing, but he caught it one-handed. Held it all the way to yes. the ground. And I remember then, exactly I remember, what yeah. you're talking He rolls over his back, falls down backwards, rolls over his back, and the ball comes out. Right. And they're ruled incomplete. I mean, Was what are you looking for? Got anything else? I mean, what? I'm back. I am. The more I'm talking about it, I'm just getting pissed again. And I'm, I still can't fully wrap my head around how. What is control anymore? I mean, what do you think is control if that is not? Well, okay, so so far in the last three years of college football, I don't know what targeting is. No. I don't know what roughing the passer is. No. And now I don't know what a catch is. I think they're doing better with the targeting rules. Uh, I think that's gotten a little better. Yeah, it's going to be more in the first few games. They're still going to miss. Yeah. They're going to miss. But with replay, you have to get the majority of those right. And I still feel like they miss way too many with replay. Especially and, the one that sticks out the most is the Devin Lawler. Yes, that's the biggest miss I think I've seen with the rule. Yes. And the most costly In both miss. leagues. Yes. That was, that was inexplicable. And, I mean, going back to it, they reviewed this. This was called a touchdown on the field. That's what – if it was called incomplete on the field – I can see it maybe standing. Yeah, but not completely. I can not see why they would I can see why they would keep it if it was called but this was called a touchdown on the field. I don't see where the conclusive evidence is because you have to have conclusive evidence yeah, to, without, for it to be overturned. Without a shadow of a doubt that the, he did not catch this ball for this to be an incomplete pass. And there is no there's nothing. There's nothing that you can show me that will change my mind that this was not a catch and a touchdown. But all of this could be avoided if A.J. Brown holds on the ball with two hands. I mean, yeah, I, I, I agree yeah. with you that he should have held But he was fighting off he, as he got the ball. I agree that he should have kept the ball tucked in instead of sticking it out. 
but I don't I don't think it really matters at that point because by the time he stuck it out, he had made a football move and demonstrated control. But what, what mean, do they consider a football move? I mean, he I mean, took a step it, and he it, fell to the ground. He took two steps and his his back was on the ground before the ball moves. I don't understand how your back can be on the ground before the ball moves and it's an incomplete pass. I, I want after you've made that after you've done so much. Yeah, I want to say that they they during the game they said something related to the guy taking the ball away from him. Which doesn't? I, I mean, I don't. He was half his body was out of bounds, so that's, I don't think that could. That's have been the same anything. thing as. I mean, he was on the ground. The ball, he took the ball away from him when he was on yeah. his back. That's like that's like a running back being tackled, and then they rip the ball out after he hits the ground, or after the whistle's say, blown, or something. And saying that's a fumble. Yeah, it's not. It doesn't happen. They're not going to call that an open field. I just feel like with this catch no catch rule, it's more clear in the field of play yeah. and in the end zone, they just the refs just lose their mind and overthink it. They overthink everything. And also what somebody said, it could be a money thing. So you're gonna yeah, the conspiracy. It, for your conspiracy thoughts out there, because I know people have thought about this, because I've been I've been approached with this with this I, I mean I said it actually when it happened. I've been approached with this statement. If you watch the game, you've heard it from Jordan Rodgers a thousand times. Vandy has to win two games to be bowl eligible. And Jordan Rodgers is absolute dog shit. Okay, Vandy had to win that game to have a chance to be bowl eligible this week against Tennessee. I mean, I don't know how many times they needed to say it. I mean, they were saying it well into the fourth quarter. About I mean, as many times as they need to say Jordan Thomas from Pearl I mean, City, Hawaii. If, if you're going to say it that many times, just shut up and get off TV. If you ain't got nothing better to talk about, shut up and get off TV. If we are stru- if we are that struggled for a topic on Vanderbilt, you don't need to be the man in the booth. I mean, you, I got- you can talk about how close Vanderbilt's been yeah. this year. They That team... Is I mean, far better than a five and six record. I mean, oh, yeah. they had the number eleven Florida on the ropes. They, they had, had number three Notre Dame, Dame yeah. on, the on the ropes in South Bend the entire game. It's not like and they came back at the end. I mean, they, they put them. There's plenty to talk about, and you talk about it. And where does every review go? They check back in where to the SEC office in Birmingham, the SEC office. Well, guess what? I think the SEC is driven by money as is anything in this world seems like big corporation nowadays. Everybody wants money. Money this, money that, money everything. Money sort of runs it, big corporations. And Ole Miss doesn't have a chance to go to a bowl this year. Vanderbilt does. And that sets up a better game with them against Tennessee this week. Yeah. For more ratings or more whatever. And 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 the winner of that actually goes to a bowl. The winner of that goes to a bowl game, so that helps them promote this game. And with Vandy having a chance to go to the bowl, that brings in more money for the SEC. It didn't matter if Ole Miss got their six win or not. They weren't going to a bowl. And Ole Miss won't see any of that money because of the no. violations. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like they said, piss on them. Because I don't – it's a catch. The, I mean, I, somebody posted the rules on Twitter. And it you read the rules – and you watch the re- replay of it, and everything the rule states happened. And it's like, how can you overturn this? And I don't, I just don't understand it. 
We've just been in a bad situation for a while. We're in a hole that we can't seem to get out of right now. And money de- definitely plays into it. When I was a little, and I think I'm probably like seven, eight years old at this time, there was a play kind of like this. And I don't remember who was playing or not. I don't want to say it was with the Steelers or somebody. And there was a catch called on the field. And they reviewed it and they said, you know, it was confirmed and it was a catch. And my mom, my mom told me, she said, you will never convince me that that was a catch unless it was the Saints. Yeah. So. And so, even with the old Miss bias here, I really think that that's a catch. Yeah, I mean, take the colors off of me. I'm an Ole Miss fan through and through. But like I said, anybody but Mississippi State can tell you that's a catch. Because they're through and through, not going to say it's a catch. I mean, you have some fans that will, yeah. but you have some diehards that won't. I mean, that was just a joke, jab. I'm just joking on here, man. It's probably we having a little fun. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can't, can't cut them any slack, and I'm sure they wouldn't cut me any slack if they were in my shoes. But through the call, you cost us a chance to go for two and potentially win the game or kick the field goal to tie – or kick the extra point to tie. I mean, yeah, we still have a – we still have the fourth down and try and get the first down or get in the end zone. But – it after a call like that, it deflates your team. Yeah. And it really just takes out all hope, I thought. I mean, we can focus in on that one play, but when you go to the red zone five times. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, I I don't think that this cost us oh, the not, game because not, we went seven times and scored one touchdown. It cost us a chance to tie it yeah. in a game where we should be out in front by two touchdowns. I mean, it's no excuse for what happened. In they the they should have went for it in regulation and, on fourth. And I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a, it's because a, with this offense, you can't you can't justify getting to the red zone and not scoring. Yeah, they don't. I mean, they don't score, and and it doesn't justify the very next play call. Yeah, I mean, the that's, next play call, you run a play to a guy that has been on one leg. The, basically the last four drives of the game after he rolls his ankle or whatever he did to his foot. Matter respect. Which I give DeMarcus Lodge a lot of grief on this show and a lot of grief in real life for catching easy ball for dropping easy balls. But, I mean, the dude gutted one out Saturday night. Much respect to him for gutting that out. And I just think – I think you have to use A.J. Brown as a decoy there because you know he's going to be doubled. And you use that – to get somebody else open, and you go to a part of the field where he's not. If you're not going to throw it to him, use him as a decoy. Well, my thing with it is, like like you said, you go to a guy that's on a bum leg. That's your that's yeah. your last call. The problem to me with that is, yeah. put the ball in the damn air. Yeah. Throw a jump ball. I know you don't have DK Metcalf, but you yeah. call the if you're going to call the play to the front pylon, get the first down instead because yeah. it, it was six yards. It was fourth yeah. and six. I'm glad you brought up DK. Ever since he went down, it's been proven that he was our only option in the red zone. Absolutely. Because ever since he's gone down, we look lost when we get inside the 20 because we don't have anybody who can just sort of step in and go up and get that jump ball. He's the only one, and he's out of leg. And I think the one guy that could sort of step in there, they're trying to redshirt him. Miles Battle's still sort of that big body receiver. Or Demarcus Gregory, who's been hurt all year, battling an ankle or a leg. 
And those are your two big body receivers who can go up and get balls. And you're redshirting both of them so they're not in the game. But they can but play four games in a you, year. Yeah, and I don't think they have already played. played. They played in all four? Um, I know Battle's been at least one. Battle's been in at least two, I think, two or three. And I just think they've come to an agreement that he's going to continue to sit. Because, I mean, if you're putting them in for one play, there's really no point in him being out there. Our receiving core is getting thin, though. We may have to. Is Braylon going to be back this week? I hope so. I believe. I think he's going to be ready to go. And I think that's – I mean, that's my launch how to gut it out. I mean, I there's mean, no there, more receivers. I mean, you put Weber in there. And that and, was really the only other outside guy you have. And he's not even your – he's not that and, big target. And I, and I think that's the difference in this week and us being able to hang around or not, and I'll get into that later. What really pissed me off I mean, was after this game and on Twitter, Ross Bjork tweets out that they've been in contact with the SEC office about how this wasn't a catch. Then, then he doesn't let the fan base know – what they said on why. That's stupid. And if Luke is wanting to, is contacting the office and wanting to know the ruling, yeah. do that shit on the field. Yeah. Like, you don't see him. He, he should have wanted an explanation right then, and you yeah. didn't see that. No. And these, they're play, these players are playing like their coach, which is soft. Yes. You've got to get – Derek Mason, he's running, he's running to the ref yes. to get explanations. Yes. And that's what you have to do. I just don't think – I've said it from the word go. He's not a head coach. He's not built to be a head coach. He's built to be a guy to run around on the sideline yelling at people like a chicken with his head cut off and trying to hype people up. That's what he's good at, and that's what he should stick to doing. I think he should stick to doing it somewhere besides Oxford. I mean. Well, here's the thing. Even Ed Orgeron, we can agree he's the same way. He gets yeah. his players motivated. And he leaves but, it to his coordinators. Yeah. And we do not have the same coordinators that LSU Phil, has. Phil Longer, we get to the red zone seven times and can't score? You mean to tell me we cannot score in the red zone at all? I don't know what they do at practice. At all. They don't do tackling drills and they I don't mean, do red zone offense. I, he has to be. Both coordinators have to be going after this year. And I think if they're not, it's going to hurt them next year in attendance and support. And it's going to hurt Luke in the long run. I think he he needs to be – He if he wants his job, he should be ready to get these two guys out of here. Yeah. Because he needs help. He needs help big time. He's got to go make a splash with two coordinator hires because if they don't work out, he's done. Exactly. And it's proven that what you have is going to get you five, six wins. You're going to win your non-conference games because they're soft. Yeah. And then you're going to beat maybe Arkansas. Maybe. Depends on who you draw from the East. If you draw a Tennessee or somebody. And that's really it. You're not, I mean, State's defense right now. Who knows who they have at quarterback next year. But looking at it, we don't stack up well against any of the big-time players in the conference on either side of the football. Yeah. Because you justify Longo, if you want to justify him staying by having um, one of the best offenses in the country, look at who he does it against. Exactly. He can't do it against a real defense. I mean, he has not done it against a real defense since he's been here. He's had two shots at Bama. How many com- how many combined points he have against Bama in two years? Ten? Ten. Ten. If you have one of the best offenses in the country, you have to put up more than ten points against Bama in two years. I mean, they're and you look at the other 
teams we played that with a good defense. LSU, we scored 16. Auburn, we scored 16. A&M, we scored 24. And one of those was a defensive touchdown, so we only had two touchdowns in that game. You can't. You can't beat any of those teams. No. Because those are the teams in your division with a defense. You can put up all the yards in the world and not score. I mean, you can put all the points in the world you want up against Kent State or ULM, but if you can't do it against Auburn or Bama or LSU, what are you doing it for? Because those are the games that matter. Those are your money games. Well, let's not forget the Southern Illinois game where they were winning at halftime. They were in that ball game. Our defense is terrible. You know why they were winning? Because we took a bad timeout right before the half. They were were content in running the clock out, and we're going to call a timeout trying to get the ball back when we hadn't stopped their offense all day and allowed them to score. Because they were going to run the clock out. And we called timeout, and they said, okay, we're going to drop something up. Next play. And Matt Luke burned like two timeouts within the first quarter of this game. Yeah. I mean, come on, man. All right, so is there anything else – we want to add about the catch in this Vanderbilt game and how sorry the play calling is. No, that's terrible. Well, then let's break down and preview how sorry the play calling will be against Mississippi State. I don't expect it to be good. I think we have one chance and one chance only. Just the emotions of senior night, having a night game in the ball. The emotions will be riding high. If Lodge and Sanders are healthy, that is huge for us because yes. then we're able to push the ball vertically. And I think that's the only way we can win this game. If we can get Tiamu enough time to push the ball vertically against his defense, because I don't think with Scotty being banged up, we're going to be able to run like we want to. And he's 77 yards to break a 1,000. And I hope he's healthy enough to play. And if they can get 77 to 100 out of him, that would be a good – I think you could put us in the conversation if we're hitting deep balls. The only way we're going to be in this game is we're going to have to hit two or three deep balls like we did last year. I feel like our if if our line can step up and keep their front seven honest yeah. Yeah. with the run game, yeah, that's the only way we're gonna be able to beat them. Uh, I mean, Scotty Phillips, he's he's day to day from the report of Matt Luke earlier this week, but Isaiah Willard has been running mad. Um, he is yeah. an undersized back that is just taking off at the moment. He he is shining in the moments that he is getting. And that's what's gonna hurt him this week. That's a that's a front four. They have a big front four with some dudes on it. That's top three in the country. And I don't think the undersized guy's gonna be able to get it done against that. Consistently taking the hits he's gonna have to take. Because Swinney can't run the ball. No. He's too slow. And we really don't have anybody else. You want to bring Tyler Knight and give him a few carries? Even well, they brought Linton back over this past week. From, I mean, they're going to have to. They're going to have to find somebody else to hand the ball to. Or either okay. have Tommy run more draws. And he's on one ankle basically. So I mean, he was on. They said he was on pitch count last week on his runs. But I mean, the way I look at it, if you can go, you need to go. It's your last game of the. We don't have a bowl to play for. If you got anything in the tank, this is the game to let it out on. This is our bowl week. This is our bowl game. The last game these these seniors have at Ole Miss. The last game potentially for AJ. I mean, it could be a 
maybe that inspires them to play because you never know in those situations. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to happen because I just don't, quite frankly, I don't know if we can stop their two backs and Nick Fitzgerald from running the ball at all. Fitzgerald might put up 200-plus rushing yards yeah. on this it defense. Would, it wouldn't surprise me. But, uh, our defense did surprisingly well against Travion Williams and Kyler Mond. I mean, Kyler Mond last week. But. And. Never mind, I'm not going to say that. that well, the big right. key, honestly. But what's his name from last chance you at Arkansas? What is it? Rakeem Boyd. Rakeem yeah. Boyd. If Rakeem Boyd does not get hurt in that Arkansas game, he, probably rushes he for runs for 300 yards easily. He had 100 after a quarter. After after one quarter, he had a he had a hundo. Yeah, it's that's crazy. If you can't stop that, what's been big, honestly, especially in this Vanderbilt game, to me, and this may be hometown bias, but Charles' boy Benito has honestly. Played some football. He's he, been playing better. He's missed a few tackles. I think you're still. Fi- I think he's finally getting over or over the shoulder now. I think he was still sort of getting over it earlier in the season, which sort of held him back a little bit, being able to shed the guys. If he don't want to be blocked, he's not going to be blocked. No, it was the same way in high school. If he didn't want to be blocked, he was in the backfield, and he's finally getting back to that form. This could also be his last game in Ole Miss uniform yeah. if he decides to go depending on where they give him a draft grade. I personally hope he comes back, but you never know because he's already graduated. Yeah. You never know what he's going to do. He, he's definitely been a lot more disruptive the past few weeks. He, and he's been involved in almost every positive defensive play that we've had. And, I, and it brings that, that rushing attack. You have to kind of question it a little bit more. And Vanderbilt had a really good rushing attack up until that point, and I really think that he's the key to it. I agree, and I think, I think it'd be great for him coming back because if he can come back and build off of how he's finished, I think he could sneak into the first round maybe and be a, or for sure be a second round guy just because of pure talent. Because his get off of the ball is one of the quickest that I've seen. But coming out, this he's just got to pick the motor up. Yeah, because coming out this year. This D-line class is stout, and I just think he's not at the upper echelon of it, Yeah, and that hurts his stock because there's so many good, talented guys in this class. I think him coming back and getting another year, if he plays solid and is healthy, his stock will rise, and he'll have a better grade and make more money. I mean, you're looking at a draft class that Clemson could potentially put four D-linemen in the first round. I mean, he's definitely behind Bosa. Um, Ed Oliver, both the guys at State, all four of the guys at Clemson. There's eight. Yeah. Not counting the dudes at Alabama. I mean, he's potentially the twelfth best in the class right now, and or that would be coming out. Yeah. And I just don't think that's a logical risk to take, but depends on how he does in pre-draft stuff or whatever. Who whoever he's talking to, that's a big thing. What who likes him and who doesn't. So and we'll get more with the egg bowl as we do our picks. With West Virginia losing last week, they're they're gonna they're playing Oklahoma this week. It's a must win for them. It's a must win for both Winners going to the Big Twelve Championship. Yes. Winner goes. And I think that this is you asked me earlier, do you think that 
beating West Virginia twice would have been better for Oklahoma or Oklahoma getting a chance to beat West Virginia and redeem their one loss against Texas. And I think this is the dream scenario Oklahoma has. Because you beat West Virginia. I think they've wanted it. I think they want Texas again. And I think if they can get through this week, it has potential to be a big game. You cannot, they can't look ahead. No, they have to focus on West Virginia and Morgantown this weekend. It's going to be a they, shootout. They have to bring their best shot this week. And then worry about what the next week has if you get the next week. Whatever the over under in this take this it, game is, take, take the, the hammer the over. You have to because we're we There's might no potentially in this game. see sixty points scored on both sides of the ball. I think it's sort of like the Oklahoma Oklahoma State game last year and the Oklahoma Texas Tech game with Mahomes and Baker. Yeah, I believe I truly believe this has a chance to be one of those shootout games that you do not want to miss. And, I mean, you're going to have Washington Washington State on at the same time. But be sure to watch – if you're a fan of offense, be sure to watch this game or at least watch some of it. Yeah. That, because there is going – there's plenty of offensive talent on the field. You have Kyler and Will Greer as your quarterback matchup. Which is almost I mean, I'm almost as good, not, at, not quite there, as the Mahomes, Baker yes. Mayfield. This has the potential to be looking back at one of those games. Yeah. And then you have the running backs. I don't know much about West Virginia's running backs, but you have Brooks and hopefully Sermon coming back this week after missing the Kansas game. And then at receivers, you have Seals and the guys at West Virginia, and you got Lamb and Brown for Oklahoma. I mean, it's just offensive talent everywhere on both sides. I mean, there's really not a weakness to any offense. I mean Motley, he's the he's the number one corner for Oklahoma. Yeah. He's their best cover guy. Yeah. And he gets blown by a lot. I mean, he could probably play at one other place outside the Big Twelve and that'd be at Ole Miss. Yeah. And I'm really gonna feel bad for him because he's probably gonna be matched up with SEALs the entire game. I mean, pick your poison with any of them. I mean, him or that number eight they got, I don't quite know his name, but he's a stud too. It's gonna be a game where if I'm Lincoln Riley, I'm I, I had the offense in a meeting room, and I'm telling them, if we have the ball, we can't, you got to score a touchdown. We can't settle for field goals. No. Defense ain't going to bail us out. No. We are scoring every time we touch the football. If it comes down to a kicking game, I'm going to take Oklahoma. Yeah. And the veteran kicker. I don't think it will come down to that. No, I hope not. I think, I think it's going to be both teams in the 50s at least. Some shocking news that came out this week, and Logan has a little more to touch on it. Les Miles going to Kansas. Yeah. And you you were talking earlier about the contract. It's taking a massive pay cut from compared to LSU. What are they paying? Them? LSU. Two, two and a half. $2.75 million per season. That's a lot for them. Yeah, I mean, they shot off some money to get him now. That's a lot of money for Kansas They did, football. but for the coach himself. But you have to think. He he was owed like six million dollars, I think, yeah. from LSU, and he took a one point five million dollar buyout to get this job. Yeah. So he wanted it. He sure. wanted this. He job. wants he to wants be to there. Be back in, and I think, I think with that sort of contract, I'm sure he has incentives. He probably has a hundred grand, five hundred grand for each Big Twelve win. Well, for here's so many years. Here's the thing you have to do if you if you're less miles. Yeah. You come in and you recruit the. The absolute best defensive players that you can get, yeah. and you have to say, you know what, we're, we're gonna, gonna stop offenses. Football. 
and we're gonna we're gonna control it with this I formation. Now he's gonna add some more looks. I really think. Yeah, it all depends on who his coordinators are. Yeah, but because I but think it's I'll, gonna be tough. The I formation in the Big Twelve is gonna be. It's not gonna work. No, it's, it's gonna be tough to watch if he if but, he attempts to to implement. Well, that. he has said that he's gonna mix it up a little and not just he stick with. To. But the thing is, if because, you can control it and you can yeah. run on these defenses, yeah, it'll if, work. If it works, it works. But once you get behind, say. Say with this Oklahoma or this West Virginia, team, you're not coming back. Fourteen they, point deficit. They jump out early to twenty one. They get twenty one early, in the first half even. Twenty seven, twenty eight was probably Kansas's goal for a game. They just got twenty one in the first half. We got to change up and score. And if your offense isn't fit for that, I think think that's what got them in trouble with LSU. Song, they weren't fit to play catch up. Yeah. And when they got behind, that's when you saw them lose games when they had to start throwing the ball deep. But you think about this this year, Army going into Norman. And that's what that's, they do. They control the clock. I mean, it's different. It's triple option. It's triple option. option. That's a totally different Okay, thing. but they control the clock. Yeah. And that, that was the big key. I get what you're saying with controlling the clock, but – I just don't think it'll work. I don't think at Kansas you can get the recruits in there to do not that. Not the first year. You might go get some low no. JUCO, maybe. You're not. You're not gonna get the high level recruits at Kansas. If they start pulling five stars at Kansas and the NCAA is not on their doorstep, I'll probably go burn the NCAA building down. I'll go to jail. Okay, that was a completely a joke, and no way was it serious. No, probably. So with this coaching change. It brings some legitimately potential coaching changes. And there's a couple in mind for me. I honestly believe, and if I'm wrong about this, I'll say I'm sorry, whatever. Urban Meyer will be out at Ohio State after this year. And I'm not saying he'll be fired. I'm saying he's going to leave football again. And if you look back, he's never stayed at at a school longer than six years. Bowling Green, Utah, Florida. When when Tebow left and Florida that next year was kind of falling off and he saw it, I'm too sick, I can't coach, I'm retiring for the game. And then one year later, he's magically healthy. And he said, I'm going to take this Ohio State job. And these programs that he builds, they're built on sand, not center blocks, not good dirt. And once that foundation runs out, He's gone, and he's going to play this health card out. And with everything that's been going on early in the season with the Ohio State and with him, I really feel like he's out. And I think that the guy that they're going to go get is Campbell from Iowa State. I think that he would be their front runner. I think they go get a guy that's been there. I think they go get Applewhite. Well, then a lot of people might would say Ron Day with the way he stepped in. At the beginning of the year, but I don't think that. I think that's just athletes being athletes. Exactly, and that's I think that's why they keep beating teams. I don't think he's gone. I don't know. I'm not going to comment on it because I don't know either way. I don't think he's going to leave. He might. That's just one of those things. If you've called it, it's great because you really can't see any of it coming. It's just sort of a hunch that you have. You see him on the sidelines at Maryland, and he's just. I mean, that like he's, game a, was, he's an emotional coach. There, there's a large cloud over that, over that program with him himself right now, especially yeah. with everything that happened at the beginning of the season yeah. with what was withheld. and That's got a lot to do with it. I don't know. Anything can happen. But Well, 
and Logan's got the contract for last miles up, as we mentioned earlier. Win six games in a season, you get an extension. Yeah. Big Twelve championship game, one year, one time rollover. Other bowl games, extra hundred grand. New Year's six game participant, what is a hundred grand? Other bowl games, seventy five grand. New Year's six game, a hundred thousand. College football participant, three hundred fifty grand. And if you're in the national championship, you're getting a million dollars. Not that great of incentives. That's not count. That's not count what probably boosters will give them. Yeah, but his boosters will give him money if he starts winning there. Think think about Stoops' contract in Kentucky. Yeah. He he's made almost a, like a million dollars winning two extra ball games this year. Yeah. And then you look at Matt Luke, he made half a million dollars beating a non conference power five team. Yeah. I mean I mean if I'm Matt Luke, I could schedule the worst ones and beat them. I play Rutgers every year. I mean I would too. Or Kansas. And then uh-huh. Oregon State. But let's uh let's get into uh, some picks right quick. You got anything to add, Logan? Go ahead. Alright, so first up, now you got a twelve and three record to beat. And if you can beat a twelve and three record You get it outright. You get an outright win. And the only thing you win really is pride. That's a lot in this world. Yeah. You get to beat my brother, which is a cool thing to do because he's Talks a lot of shit. That's true. That's very true. That's 100% true. All right, so first up on the list, we got Nebraska at Iowa. Iowa's a nine-and-a-half point favorite. Brady, who you taking this game? Uh, the Wade's still one of the coolest traditions. New traditions. Probably going to be one of the coolest in college football ever. The Wade's the kids in the hospital. I'm going to Iowa. That's a good pick. Logan, who you got, man? I'd have to say that... Scott Frost pulls out a win to end the season. Upset. Let me tell you, man, it's going to get wild after this first two. They've been playing better. They have been playing a lot better. I don't think they've been playing good enough to beat Iowa at home. So I'm going to go with the Hawkeyes in this game. Arkansas at Missouri. Missouri's favored by 23.5 points. Uh, Brady, who you got in this game? I usually say it every time when we had Missouri. I'm going to take the best quarterback in the game, and that's Drew Locke. Missouri's been playing better football lately. Arkansas's he's, not been. He's shooting up draft boards right now, and I just think he continues to play better, and Arkansas is just a dumpster fire right now. So you got to go with Missouri. Logan, what you think about it? I don't agree that Arkansas is a dumpster fire at the moment. They're definitely playing better than they were at the beginning of the year, but I have to agree with Brady here and say that Missouri's going to win big. The only reason I say dumpster fire is because I believe we have one here in Oxford and we beat them. I mean, that's fair, but they, have, they do have a – I wouldn't say they have a first-year coach when we really do too, but – They have a better coach than we do. Absolutely. I'm going to go Missouri in this game, though, with Drew Locke playing like he's been playing and how he shows up against bottom-of-the-pack SEC teams. Yeah. Uh, I would take the over in this game. Georgia Tech – at Georgia, Georgia is a 17-point favorite. Can they stop the triple option, Brady? Remember, the record Georgia Tech's been pretty tough. Pulled out a couple wins for me this season. But Georgia has that day set aside each week for practice or a period where they work on Georgia Tech. And it's in Athens, right? Yes. Yeah, no shot. They went in there a few years ago and won. I feel like this could be close. 
just because of ball control and just because you don't see it, I don't think Georgia probably doesn't have a triple option quarterback unless they just get a walk on that ran it in high school. Yeah, which would be smart. I think I think we should send this Kirby and let him hear that and see what he thinks if he hadn't already thought of it. But <laughs> I, I'm going. Uh, I'm going with the dogs in this one. Well, I mean, I have Justin Fields. I just I don't think he's a triple option quarterback. Right? I mean, I, I like wouldn't he, I wouldn't run him like that either. I don't, either I don't think they want him in scout team taking those. Teams. I mean, I wouldn't either. Logan, who you got in this game? Uh, I think Georgia's got way too much talent to to take an L to Georgia Tech this year. I'm gonna go Georgia, and I really think that they're gonna blow him out, and we'll see a little bit more Justin Fields in this game. Florida at Florida State. Florida's favored by six and a half points. Uh, we know Florida State's been. Really, mostly down this year. The right. first year, Willie Taggart. They beat them. They go to a bowl game, though. They, so, who are you taking, Brady? They've been playing well lately, last couple of weeks. Being a rivalry game, you never know what Florida team you're going to get. But judging from their coach and what Dan Mullen did to get them hyped up for egg bowls and stuff at Mississippi State, I don't know what he does, but he seems to get people hyped up for a rivalry game. So, I think Florida plays plays good and gets a win just because I've seen them play better. I mean, you never know. Yeah. I just don't – I haven't seen Florida State do consistent consistent anything. That's why I got to go Florida. Lane, what's your thoughts on this game? I think Florida's defense is going to be too much to handle. What about Felipe Frank's goatee? What's it? What do you what do you say all the time? It has swamp ass. <laughs> it is rough. He yeah. finally trimmed it up a few weeks ago. His chin shot wouldn't fit over. I mean that thing was that thing was scrappy, man. It was rough. Now I do say that I believe Florida's defense is gonna be too much, but Florida State is playing for a bowl game right now. I mean, you can't count out anybody playing for a bowl game. Right. That's that. Yeah, that's, that's the point I'm getting to. When's the last time they missed a bowl? It wasn't last year because they rescheduled a game to get there. Yeah, I'm gonna take the Florida State Seminoles in this game. Just I say you wrote, you scratched out Florida. You wanted to go. Florida. I wanted to go to Florida, but here's the thing: when you're playing for a bowl game, yeah. you don't have anything to lose. No, they can throw everything out there. And so I think that Willie Taggart's gonna yeah. gonna really try to snatch a rabbit out of the hat and do this. Would do be the special. first time. This would be their thirty seventh in a row. So it'd be the first time in thirty seven years that they missed a bowl game if they lose. Well history's on my side right now, boys. And I'm sure nobody would love to ruin that more than Dan Mullen. So Well in the Florida fan base. As much as that pains me to say Dan Mullen. I think when you get hyped for rivalries, you just have to it doesn't matter if you know the rivalry or you have experience you have to embrace it. Doesn't matter who it is. No, you have to. I mean, if you if you go to Oregon State or Oregon or something like that, yeah. and you and you're an East Coast guy, and you've never had ties to that school or that conference. You just gotta embrace it. Yeah. Baylor is uh, going on the road to play Texas Tech and Lubbock. Uh, Texas Tech's a six point favorite. Baylor also needs one more win to be bowl eligible, yeah. and Matt Rule has done a way better job than I gave him credit for at the beginning of this season. Yeah, he's turned it around a little bit, and they've been playing better. So. I want to apologize for that, obviously, and say that I was wrong. He He's doing a little bit better. Yeah. So, who you got in this game, Brady? I'm going to take Texas Tech. Cliff Kingsbury, please play Jet Duffy. You play ten times better when he's in the game. Absolutely. And I don't understand why you keep sitting him. It's not a smart move on your part. I wish you'd play him more. But the thing I'm most excited for is this, about this game 
is Pat McAfee's going to be in the booth. Yes. I, I cannot wait to hear him in the booth and what he has to say listening to his podcast. He's been talking the past couple of weeks about wanting to get in the booth. So I'm excited to see if he's good or what he has because I'm sure it's going to be – there's going to be some comedy in there. He's in there with A.J. Holt. Yeah, who yeah. he worked with. I think so. I'm not sure. I'm almost 95% positive that that I'll he's... go through your picks. I'll come back. And I think that'll be a good game. I really think Pat McAfee should be on Monday Night Football. And he can't be any worse than who's on Monday Night Football <laughs> right now. Logan, who you got in this game? Baylor and Texas Tech. I'm going to take Texas Tech in this one. Baylor's Baylor's struggled against Big 12 competition all year. They got a win against Oklahoma State three weeks ago, which is honestly extremely impressive. Yeah. Seeing how Oklahoma State's been playing down the stretch. But I still have to give it to Texas Tech in this one. Yeah. He is in the booth with A.J. Hawk. That'd be a and good they, booth. They did do a podcast together for about a year with Barstool Sports Laces Out podcast. It should be it should be a good booth. Just like the Florida State pick, I'm gonna go with Baylor. They have a lot to play yeah. for. Trying to get to a bowl game, trying to prove Matt Rule deserves the job. Um, I think that this game will be one to watch. High scoring one, Pat McAfee two. Pat McAfee's the reason I'm gonna watch this. Yeah. I think we'll be flipping it back and forth between this uh, and yeah. the game. Yeah, but we're gonna we're gonna for sure tune in and see how Pat does. Alright, so we got bowl eligible Arizona State going down to Tucson to play five win Arizona. I'm gonna roll with Herm. I know you're probably gonna roll with Herm too. You're gonna break your little streak here. If you don't I'd be shocked. But Arizona State. You got Logan. I'm gonna have to go with Herm too. I don't think Kevin Sumlin can can have that team ready. Here's the thing. The last two picks I've picked for teams playing to get to a bowl game and they have a lot more to play for. But I'm not picking against her members in this game. <laughs> I haven't done it all year. And he really hasn't let me down that much. Every game that they have lost has been one possession games. And some of them, like the San Diego State game, they didn't really deserve to win it. They got screwed late, I agree. But they didn't gain any yards yeah. in the second half. So, I'm going to go Arizona State in this game. All right, so we got Tennessee at Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's favored by three and a half points, and winner goes to a bowl game, loser goes home. Yeah. Brady, who you got? It's obvious the SEC loves Vandy right now, and Garantano's out, so I'm going Vandy. It's a good pick. Look who you got. Well, I didn't know that Tennessee's starting quarterback was out. Yeah. He's yeah. Prior to that, week. I would have said Tennessee because they've been playing – uh, they got they donkey they got last football. weekend. So, uh, I'm going to stick with Tennessee. Ooh. Ooh. I did that a few weeks ago. It paid off then. It did. That's a good pick. They're not at home, though, so. We got a bottom of the top 25 matchup. Who'd you, you pick? Oh, my bad. I, I'm going to take Vanderbilt in this game and Derek Mason. Uh, they're going to be riding off a high, that Ole Miss game. Utah State. Is uh going to the blue turf play Boise State? Boise State's a two and a half point favorite. Brady, who you got? Two good teams in this. Haven't watched much of any of them, but I've watched Boise before. Boise's got some weapons on the outside. Blue turf, give me them guys. Logan, what's your take on this one? This one's all off gut, but I'm going with Utah State. Well, you know what, Logan, your gut feeling is pretty good because 
I'm taking the Aggies in this one. Yeah. Uh, they've been playing really good football, and they deserve to be ranked, unlike some people may say, who is this? Uh, LSU at Texas A&M. A&M's a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Sack Kyle Field, that's very shocking. Yeah. Who are you taking in this game? Go Tigers. Ooh. I just Logan. think Aranda draws up a good scheme against A&M's offense. And that LSU gets the ball going on the ground a little bit more. And I think they're just – they overall have the better defense in that one's game. I don't, I don't think Texas A&M's offense can hold up against LSU's defense. No. They're, they're too greedy. They force turnovers. I mean, we had two turnovers against them, what, two weeks ago? Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't see them holding on to the football. I agree with y'all. Uh, completely. I'm gonna go LSU in this game, even though it defense travels and Texas A&M struggles. Even with men, the men's yeah. there, they that could be LSU, and that's why this rivalry got so hyped. Yeah. Um, Notre Dame is uh playing USC on the road. They're still favored by eleven and a half points. You said earlier that this could be the slip yeah. up. Do yeah. you still follow through with that? I said this could be the slip up. I think this is the most favorable thing for a slip up. They're going to LA, big lights and all. I just don't know how Ian Book will play under those lights. But I'm not as bold as you were last week to go with Syracuse. I'm not going to pick against them and then them win by 30. So I'd rather pick Notre Dame and lose than go against them and then blow out SC because SC really hasn't played well. Maybe they play out of their mind for one game, but I just think Notre Dame wins it. Like I said, defense travels, and they got a pretty good one. I haven't watched any of SC, but I have kept up with Notre Dame, and I believe Notre Dame has too much for them. Yeah, I mean, I called the upset last week with Syracuse. I really thought that that would be it. And so if I called it this week, it'd be kind of like you call game in a pickup and you miss three, and then the fourth one you call, you make it. It doesn't really count. I'm going to go Notre Dame in this game. Uh, Big game this week, Michigan at Ohio State. There's a lot on the line. Going to the big – winner goes to Big Ten Championship game. Michigan is favored by four points. Now, this is really unusual going into Columbus, obviously. And Ohio State does really good when they're the dogs. So, who you got in this game, Brad? Okay. Michigan's been playing well all season. Yeah. I mean, they lose a tough one at Notre Dame to open up the season. They're going to Columbus where Jim Harbaugh has yet to beat yep. the Ohio State Buckeyes since he's been at Michigan. They always seem to struggle or Ohio State always seems to find a way out of it. But the Buckeyes have not been playing well ever since Purdue weekend. I don't know what's gotten into them. I just think they've been playing so bad for so many weeks in a row. I think they're doing a good game. And also you look at from watching Ole Miss last year, they go to Bama. They got slaughtered. They play at home against LSU. Didn't play very well. Didn't play well against A&M or Auburn. Guess who was the quarterback? Who was that, man? Shea Patterson. I don't know. Never showed up for a big game here. I don't know if he can get up and play in that tough environment in Columbus. I may be wrong. I think their run game would win the game for them if they win this. But I'm going to go with the Buckeyes. I think they're do a good game. I could be wrong. But I don't know if Shea can perform in the lights right now because we, we've never seen him do it. Yeah. He did not play well earlier this season on the road in their only true road test, yeah. I believe. 
He didn't play well at Notre Dame, and he also didn't play well at Northwestern. And this will be the loudest stadium he's been in since Bama last year, I believe. Hey, what's your take on this? Ohio State allowed 51 points last week, and they were a foot away from losing. Yeah, I mean, the guy hits that pass, it's ballgame. He was open. Michigan's offense has been putting up numbers recently. Yeah. I think Shea Patterson has it against the Buckeyes. You know, everything you said, Brady, is completely true. But I think that if Shea Patterson really went to Michigan to win a national championship and to boost his draft stock and to get NFL ready, this is going to be the game he has to show it. And I've said this plenty of times. If we go by just pure arm talent, he's got one of the best arms in college football. And can throw from many different angles of slots. And he's very accurate with football. He just makes poor decisions and panics too much. I think that he's going to make the statement and say, you know what, we we can get it rolling and we're going to win this ball game. He's going to come out to a slow start, but he's going to pick it up. And I'm going to take the Wolverines in this game. I think Haskins is going to have a big game. He's going to have to. Outside. I think they he has a big game and Dobbins and Weber get it going. Yeah. Outside of Northwestern and Michigan State, two really good teams in the Big Ten. He has lit up the scoreboard. Yeah. So uh, I believe What did he do against Notre Dame? Well I mean really, those are the only two he didn't do a lot, but they didn't really. Those are really the only two decent teams he's played against, though, too. I mean, you got Penn State, who's banged up, hasn't been playing well yeah. against anybody. Okay, threw up numbers against Nebraska early, SMU, Western Michigan, Maryland. Wisconsin was a good one. Wisconsin was a good game for him. Rutgers and Indiana in the past two weeks, you really can't hang your hat on any of those. Schedule's been pretty favorable with really. Most of their big games have been at home, at least two of them. And then you had Notre Dame and Michigan State on the road. Which they had to go into Notre Dame to start the year. Yeah. And he looked – that's the biggest environment he's played in, and he did not look good. Yeah, but, but it was also I his first game in that uniform with that yeah, offense. I believe he's grown links and bounds. He had yeah. – and the other tough matchup, he had two twelve and two tutties against Michigan State. Yeah. So, I mean, he's not going to put up monster numbers like you see from Tua or Kyler. He's just not. That's the offense isn't built for that. No, it's built to run the ball and play ball control. Uh, so, we got Washington going into Pullman to play Washington State. Washington State's two and a half point favorites. You're wearing the shirt. Are you foreshadowing? Who you got, Brady? I think it's going to be a tough game for Washington State. Washington's gonna oh, come, absolutely. Washington's going to come in and play hard rivalry game. Washington's going to be probably one of their toughest tests of the season. They're going to have to grind to get it done. Chris Peterson's going to have his guys ready to go. But as I say that, I sit here in a Pullman shirt that has Washington State on it. How can I not pick the Cougs? I'm not going to pick against Mike Leach in this game. I think this is the year he gets it done and gets them to a Pac-12 championship. what's What's your take on the game? I believe that the Cougs will win it, not only win it, but win big. 
That's a good. That's a good take. I like Chris Peterson. Obviously, I've said that many times. Yeah. Um, they've struggled a little bit throughout the year, mm-hmm. and I think this is going to be the best chance that Mike Leach has to beat a Washington team. And so I'm going to get in this game. Yeah. Uh, real quick, we've already previewed these games and broke them down. So just give me some a quick pick on them. Oklahoma and uh, West Virginia. Oklahoma's two and a half point favorite. Who you got, Brady? You already know, Boomer. I agree with Brady. Yeah, it's hard to go against Oklahoma in this game. Too much to play for. I mean, they they really want another shot at Texas, yeah. and they've been given that chance. So I'd expect them to come out fired up and ready to go. Yeah. I mean, this is also a big game for Kyler Murray and his Heisman chances. I'm sure he, if you ask him, he doesn't give a rat's ass. Yeah, but he – But in the grand scheme, it's big for his chances. Yeah. Um, Big game for us tonight. Mississippi State is coming into town to play Ole Miss. They're third – Mississippi State's a 13-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. Uh, Brady, who are you taking? I'm not going to pick them. I mean, I, I didn't I didn't think you would, but. I, I'm not picking State. Logan, who you got? I'll in? lose a game before I pick State. I'll take Ole Miss in this one. Yeah, I don't want to take Ole Miss. I mean, I'm not I mean, it's rivalry week. Non-biased or anything in that pick or anything, as you know. Completely just a bystander pick. Ole Miss should win a game. Um, real quick. Uh, do you have an, an aired out dog this week? I do. I'm taking Georgia Tech with 17 and a half in Athens. I think just they're going to have a bunch of ball control. And you've seen Georgia struggle against it in years past. So I just think they can do that. Um, I'm going to go with – I told you to take the over on Arkansas, yeah. Missouri. Yeah. I think Arkansas is going to cover this game. Yeah. So that's going to be my dog. I mean, Logan, do How you have one? How much is it? 23 and a half. Yeah, that's close. I don't have one ready. No. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's the moment thing. We didn't talk about it beforehand. Uh, Heisman? Yeah, do you, and you think this is going to be the week for Murray? I think it's two-horse race right now. Two is still out in front. Absolutely. Two is still out in front. Murray's still two. I think it's a two-horse race for the trophy. Minshew's played well enough to get to New York. Minshew, I think Minshew will go to New York. I think those are and, the three set to go for sure. And if you're going to take four, I think you take Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin. Yeah. And he should he deserves to go with the season he's had. Ain't got the win losses, but he's having a great season. Logan, you got any any take on the Heisman this year? I believe that Kyler Murray has had a better season overall than Tua. I mean, he has better stats. I mean, can't can't dispute it. But Tua's he's, playing until half. Yeah, he's just led that. But team. When and he's beating better you, defenses. You can you compare their stats at half? The the Kyler's still. I'm on a late. I mean, this as, is going to be it. You know, if he's going to win it, this is as, it. As you know, I'm very high on Kyler Murray and very high on Oklahoma. I just think I'm waiting on him to have that big moment before I say that it's him because Tua's been to LSU, and he's proven that moment. Going to Morgantown could be that moment. Yeah. So we'll just have to wait and see how it plays out. Yeah, it should be a great weekend. Uh, Logan, we thank you for coming in with us. Uh, you got a listener question for him? How did you think of one of those? I almost forgot, man. All right, Logan. So, real quick, what we do with all our guests, um, random question, just out of, the, out of the box, nothing to be prepared for. If you could be in a room and have lunch with any person in the entire world, fictional or real, who would it be? Elon Musk. I see. Now, I should have known he would go with some <laughs> intellectual guy. <laughs> 
So real quick, why would you do that? Just because pick apart his brain? Yeah, I mean, the, the dude's done something that you just you don't see. He's, he's built a car company, let alone built a car company in this day and age. He's built a company that is traveling the space. That I mean, that's it's unheard of. I mean, the man, the man's crazy. He's extremely crazy, but he's smart and he knows what he's doing. You, I mean, off the top of your head, do you have one? I mean, I don't know. Off the top of my fictional or real, I think I would like to talk. And this is going to sound the most Chandler thing ever. Ted Mosby. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to talk to Ted Mosby. See, I got a couple. Dating. I got a couple. All right, real quick. Give them I'd like to sit down with Will Ferrell and have lunch oh, with him. Fictional. I'd love to have lunch with Deadpool. I feel like yeah. that would be good. I, I feel, feel like, like that. I feel like that'd be a very entertaining and no telling where that could go. And sports-wise, yeah, Hugh Freeze. Oh, dude, yeah, I'd love to play around a Lincoln golf. Lincoln Riley, somebody like that. Yeah, pick a part of their, their brain. Baker Mayfield. I mean, we could elaborate on this all day. Yeah. But I'd have to go Will Ferrell or Deadpool. Right, I, I would go Julia Louis-Dreyfus from uh, Veep on, yeah. and Seinfeld. But we thank y'all for listening. Hope y'all have a great rivalry week and eat great a lot of yeah, eat a lot of turkey for us. See y'all next week.